Great. At this point, it's 5-2, Philip. 5-2. Um, Philip, just going to invite Philip to come and uh, speak to us. He wants his full 20 minutes. We're not allowed to deviate. So um, just going to pray for you. Is that all right? Yeah. Yeah. Lord, we thank you for Philip. Thank you for all the work that he is doing. Thank you for Metro and... Um, all that is happening there in the city centre, um, sort of reaching out to, uh, to this sort of Generation Z, the, the um, young adults, the students. And Lord, we just pray for, for more fruit, more fruit from that work, more people coming to know you and have their lives transformed um, through, through Metro. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Morning, everyone. For those of you that don't know me, as uh, Deborah said, I, um, with my wife Kate, were part of Metro, which is like the, the Poundland Woodlands in uh, the centre of the city. Uh, but I was first in Highgrove. I came to Highgrove in 1986. I was three years old. No, it's not true. Um, I'm old. But yeah, I have been... Um, it's so good. Whenever I come to Highgrove, I always feel like I'm coming home. Uh, today we're continuing the series on Elijah and uh, it's just preparing this and looking at it and meditating on things has been encouraging for me because actually within Metro we've, we've had a, a challenging time over the last few months, in fact the last couple of years. I don't know how many of you have found um, what we've been through corporately um, as, as a, yeah, the whole world has been through challenge and crisis. We've had the pandemic. It's still a big deal. We're moving into a cost of living crisis. For us as Metro, um, we were just picking up steam again after the pandemic, and then suddenly there was a fire in our venue. So for the last nearly two months, we've been without uh, our regular venue. We've had to sofa surf, uh, go to other churches. Not only did we not have the venue, but we didn't have any of our equipment, which uh, would have been challenging at the best of times, but when you're trying to stream, and so much is reliant on technology, it's been, it's been a challenge. Um, and yet, I see in the story of Elijah um, an encouragement and an inspiration for us that sometimes it's within the wider context of what is the suffering and challenge that we're seeing in the world, that God is able to move in the greatest way. Amen? Amen. So we're going to look a little bit about um, Elijah, Mount Carmel, 1 Kings uh, chapter 18. And um, in fact, let's just get straight into it. I've got so much that I'm, my, my mind is being blown by this passage, but, but let's, let's get in. Let's look at that first verse of 1 Kings 18. It says this. After a long time, in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Go and present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the land. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. That's it. That's the whole thing, in a nutshell. That's the message. That is the whole chapter condensed into its very most concentrated form. You get that verse, you get everything that you need to have. You see, sometimes people think about Mount Carmel. And if you are a Christian here, if you're used to church, if you've been around the block a few times, you will know the story of Mount Carmel. If you're new to this, uh, if you're on the outside looking in, if this is something that you're kind of getting back into, Mount Carmel is a kind of a famous story about God sending fire from heaven, spoiler alert, 
and burning up a sacrifice in the most powerful way. And it's easy to look at that and see that as a literal mountaintop experience. And how many of you want a mountaintop experience in your life? How many of you want a a mountaintop experience in your Christian faith? If that's you, say yes. But it's more than a mountaintop. Uh, In order to understand this story, we have to see what God is doing in the, 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 the bigger picture, the wider scope of things. And what that speaks to us is this. This is a story and this is a passage for anybody who longs to see change in our nation. For those of you that want to see change where you work or you want to see change in your communities or you want to see change with your families, you want to see change with your friends, you want to see change in the culture, the society. How many of us want to see God move and do something radically different? Wouldn't it be amazing? If we could see lives changed in a way we've never seen before. I've lived my whole life. I've lived my whole life in a country, in a context, in a society, in a culture that is mostly against God or indifferent towards faith. Where Christianity is a minority uh, tolerated interest. Wouldn't you love to see God changing our world? Wouldn't you love God changing the United Kingdom, changing Europe? Wouldn't you love to see a change, a sea change in how people respond, in people looking to God and meeting God? Who would love to see that? I would. And this whole thing, it's what we see within the people of Israel. There's two things. If you want to experience the, the, the opportunity that God has for you, there's two things that come into play. And it's the intersection of these two things. The first is the name Elijah. It's about your calling. Everyone say calling. It's about your calling. Elijah, and I know that Deborah um, covered this in the first, uh, first message. In fact, this would be good uh, to see how many of you remember. Who can tell me what Elijah means? Deborah. The Lord is God. The Lord is God. Round of applause for Deborah. Seriously, I often can't remember what I preached on two weeks ago. Um, names are really, really important in Scripture. You know that. Names are really, really important. Now, today we give ourselves names or we give our children names just dependent on who's the latest, current, favorite pop star or who won the X Factor. But in scriptural times, names were like battleships. Like we name kids in the Bible like we name battleships. So a battleship, you'd have HMS Dauntless, HMS Fearless, HMS Invincible. Why? Because the name that you give it is supposed to be the destiny it is going to fulfill. It it, it stands for what it is to do. That's why you don't call a battleship HMS Slightly Perturbed, HMS Dubious Use of the World's Resources. You call it something that it is supposed to be. And so Elijah, Eli is uh, God, and Jah is Yahweh, the Lord. And that's why when Jesus is on the cross and he says, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, People think, hey, did he just call Elijah? No, no, they just sound very similar because the name Elijah literally means Yahweh, Jehovah, is the one God, the true God, the only God, the real God. And Elijah's whole calling is to be someone that draws people back to this one true 
reality. Jehovah, Yahweh, is God. Not the demons, not the idols, not the pagan religions. It's Jehovah. There is only one God. And his whole life was supposed to be testament to that. And so he has a calling. We have a calling. We're called Christians. Christian, it means the very center of who we are is to be about Christ. Amen? You take Christ out of Christian, what are you left with? Just Ian. And Ian never did any good for anybody. Am I right? <laughs> we have that calling that we are to be Christ followers. We are to be little Christ. We are to be like Jesus. But it's not enough to have a calling. That's not what gives you access to the opportunities that God has for you. It's about your context. Everyone say context. This passage says, after a long time, in the third year. Long time of what? Third year of what? Well, it is the drought that's come upon Israel. The drought that actually Elijah himself has proclaimed. A drought which is a consequence for the nation turning their backs on God and following the worship of the Baal, the idol Baal. And so the Baal worship, which has just become endemic in Israeli society led by Ahab and Jezebel, as a result of this, they're so far out of the blessing of God that there's this massive drought. And it's three years. And so the context is this, massive corporate suffering. And the people of God are not immune from this either. Elijah himself, he experiences the suffering and the hunger and the challenge and the difficulty. It speaks to me so much about the pandemic that we've been through. It's like this great global experience, something which is kind of symptomatic and consequential of a world that lives without respect of nature, a world that lives with greed and um, just consumer culture. And, and we find ourselves hitting into these, these pandemics and, and these, these things that happen, the consequences of the way that we live life. And as Christians, we're caught up in the suffering of the world too. But it's within this culture, the culture, the context of an idol-worshipping nation who are experiencing three years of drought and famine. So they're very, very desperate. And our opportunity as the people of God comes between, in, it comes in the intersection of our calling and our context. Our calling, who God's called us to be. Our context the world that we live in. My Christian faith does not live in a vacuum. It's not divorced from my workplace. It's not divorced from my nation. It's not divorced from my community. The two are supposed to go together. And so the Bible says, after a long time, in the third year, that's the context. The word of the Lord came to Elijah. That's the calling. And then here's the opportunity. Go and present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain. Everyone say, I will send rain. I will send rain. Sometimes you get into stories about people like Elijah, and you think these guys are like untouchable heroes of the faith, and we can never be like them. But again, Deb said, week one, quoting from James 5, Elijah was 
a human being just like us. It was just a regular person, just like us. Underline, highlight, just like us. It's God. God speaks to Elijah and says, I want you to go and present yourself to Ahab. That's all I want you to do. And I will send rain. We have an opportunity where God encourages us and invites us to step out and to move in his name into the context that we're in in order that he can bring healing. How many of you know that God loves our world? How many of you know that God loves your community, your workplace, your family? How many of you know that God loves Sea Mills and Shirehampton? God loves Bristol. God loves the UK. God so loved the world. God wants to come in and change people's lives. He wants to come and answer prayers. He wants to come and change situations. And he chooses to use us. And it's the intersection between our calling and our context that we see God move. And so Elijah, all he does, he's obedient. That's, that's his secret superpower. Just obedient to God. He goes, next verse says this. So, he goes to Ahab, speaks to Ahab, confronts him. And it says this, so Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. Do you ever have the experience where you try to share your faith with people and they're like, huh? they say nothing, they're not moved, they're not convinced. They say, well, that's great for you. I'm glad that you've got your faith. I'm glad that you've got your belief. I'm glad that it works for you. And Elijah had that very same thing. He's saying, if Jehovah is God, you should serve him. If Baal is God, fine. Do whatever you like. Knock yourself out. But if God is God, if Jehovah is God, serve him. People say, well, you know, I am indifferent. I am apathetic. I am unmoved. We can't just give words to our culture. Amen? You can't win your friends just with a bunch of words. This is what Elijah does. He carries on and says this. Then Elijah said to them, I'm the only one of the Lord's prophets left. But Baal has 450 prophets. Get two bulls for us. Let Baal's prophets choose one for themselves and let them cut it into pieces and put it on the wood but not set fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and put it on the wood but not set fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by fire, he is God. Then all the people said, what you say is good. In other words, this, it's not enough just to give words to those that we're trying to reach for Jesus. We need to bring a demonstration. Demonstration, that's our job. Within our calling and our context, God is inviting us to demonstrate his power, to demonstrate that God is good. You know, when we live as community, we're demonstrating the goodness of God. 
When we come together and we serve those around us, whether that is volunteering for the little acorns, or whether that is gathering together in D groups, or whether that is just being that kind of people of God, the family of God, there's something about it. It's a, it's a light on a stand, a city on a hill, and, and people say, I, I can see something of the grace of God in these people. People need a demonstration. We need to see the power of God manifest in what we're doing. And that's all that Elijah did. He says, look, let's have a, a contest. Let's make it, uh, I tell you what, I'll, I'll, I'll play to your strengths. Baal, he's the um, thunder god, right? God of thunder, fine, like Thor. Um, well, let him produce thunder and lightning. He, he's got the lightning, that's his thing. And you often see Baal with a, a you know, lightning bolt. He was like Zeus in, in pagan times for that ancient world. Well, well, let him bring down the lightning, and, and we'll have this contest. And that's what happens on the Mount Carmel. It's a context, contest. It's a contest to demonstrate who is God. And I'll tell you this. I believe that God wants to demonstrate his goodness, his power, his reality. Amen? Amen. But I believe that as much... We need to have shown and demonstrated to all and sundry the impotence of every other idol and power and force. And I believe that what's happening at this time with the world that we live in is that um, we are seeing the kind of the collapse of idols. We're seeing the fact that the idols of materialism and consumerism and individualism uh, these things are just being taken down. You can make an idol of tech and science, and then we realize, actually, there's only so far that that can get us. You know, we, we've had... How many of you... Sorry, I'm jumping around a little bit. But it just seems to me at the moment that 10 years ago, we used to have a lot of aggro, a lot of lip from atheists. You know, like the super atheists? that would be um, writing books and going on TV shows and denouncing Christians and religion in general and the God delusion and all of that stuff, you don't hear so much from them anymore. Because we have a world that isn't marching forward in progress and enlightenment. We have a world that is mired more than ever in war and challenge, mental health crisis through the roof, uh, racial issues, Worse than ever, the treatment, abuse of women, worse than ever. And suddenly these idols that say progress will take us forward, science will produce an answer for us, expressive individualism, everyone just be your best self, do you, don't worry about any other bigger story. It's all crumbling right now before us. And we see more than ever people looking and willing and crying out, for a demonstration of the real God. And what Elijah does on the Mount Carmel is he says, okay, let's see just what these demons can deliver. Nada, zip, nothing. Okay, now let's see what God can do. I had a guy come into uh, Metro probably a couple months ago. He walks through the door. He's 20 years, 22 years old. He says, I'm an atheist. I don't believe this stuff. But he says, I'm also plagued with challenges and, and I, I, have, I'm, I have struggles and I, and I recognize 
that I don't have something that I want to have. And so I'm here because I see a friend and she has demonstrated something that makes me at least curious. He walks through the door. He's an atheist. Comes the very next week, comes the, the uh, second week after that, receives prayer. I think it was on his third week with us, uh, we did a little invitation for people to give their lives to Jesus. And I led a prayer at the end of my message and uh, invited people, if they prayed the prayer, just put their hands up. His hand goes up. I get a text from him the very next day, Monday evening. He says, Philip, I prayed the prayer last night, but I went home and I felt like I wanted to just do a little bit more. So I listened and watched the preach again on YouTube. And when it came to the prayer, this time, instead of praying it in my head, I prayed it out out loud. He said, as I started to pray the prayer, something that I cannot express came upon me. A force that I can't really comprehend just gripped me. He said, I felt my arms going out to my sides. And then they started to raise up as I prayed this prayer. And before I knew, I had my, my arms outstretched and I couldn't move them. I was, he said, I, I felt like I was like Jesus on the cross. And I prayed the prayer and I felt the power of God. And I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And then he said, the video finished. YouTube finished. And then autoplay kicked in and the next video started to come on. He said, I wanted to turn it off, but I couldn't because my, my arms couldn't move. He said, it's only when I prayed and I declared, I give and commit my life to Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. He said, when I said that, suddenly I was able to move my arms and turn the um, computer off. It's the power of God. I want us to pray because I want us to be encouraged. Like I said, all of Elijah's story was in that first verse. Calling, context, God spoke, and he was obedient. And I think if there's anything that God is asking for us right now, it's just to be obedient, to have faith, to be prepared to be used by God to give a demonstration to those around us. And you could be used by God to demonstrate the power of God in your workplace. You could be in a situation where someone just shares with you how, your feet, how they're feeling and you, you lay a hand on their shoulder and say, can I just pray? Let me talk to the big man upstairs and see what happens. But it's an opportunity. Because right now, the power of every other idol is being shown for what it is. Absolutely impotent. Incapable of changing anybody's life. Bereft of any real power. And into this context, the people of God can stand and step in and say, the Lord is God. Jesus is God. And I'm here to demonstrate it to you. Let's pray. Just take a moment. I want you to, um, just as you've got your eyes closed, I want you to imagine your context. The context which means the most to you. It might be the workplace, it might be a friendship group, it might be an extended family, it might be your street, your community. I just want you in your heart right now to make yourself available to God. We live amongst the people who have experienced spiritual drought. 
And God says, I will send rain. I will send the rain. And Father, I want to pray right now. Lord, we want to offer ourselves to you. I want to pray that you give us inspiration. Father, I pray for every single person here that is just hungry to see a change in their context. Lord, I pray that you'd give us inspiration, confidence in you. Lord, let us be people of faith. Father, I pray for this community. I pray for Highgrove as a church. I pray that increasingly they would continue to demonstrate the power of God and that you'd use them as a, a lightning rod to capture the power of God. Lord, I want to ask that we would see just uh, a revival of people finding faith and coming to faith through us as we respond to you. Lord, teach us what it is to be obedient to your voice, to be alert to your word, and to demonstrate to those around us the power and the love and the grace of God. In the face of Jesus. We're just going to respond, going to invite the band to come back and, and let's take this time of worship as an opportunity to respond.